dive into it, we're super excited to be sitting down with Mark Simpson today. He's the Assistant Vice Provost for Enrollment Services and the University Registrar at the University of Texas at Austin. He's a very experienced higher education leader and has driven a lot of enrollment and retention programs to ensure student success and institutional growth. Um, I'm very excited to be chatting about the state of the SIS system today and really where we see it going. And I'm Justin Wenig. I'm, I'm co-founder and CEO of course, so I'm super excited to be joining today. Uh, you know, my story was four years ago, computer science student, Columbia University, started really while enrollment, interacting with Columbia's SIS and asking myself, why are universities running on such legacy software? And I later learned that, that was the SIS. And I think that's a thought that a lot of students and administrators have today. And I'm hoping to impact that today. But Mark, do you want to do a quick intro and then we can, we can dive in? I confess, I love this business and it started really young. I was a terrible high school student and might have been one who was motivated to drop out. And I learned the value of education from some amazing people at a local community college and the difference it makes in our lives. And so it's really motivated me, my background, my upbringing, uh, my high school experiences. It really, it's part of what drives me in higher ed and why I care so much about enrollment and student success and how I've kind of fallen in love with this business. So it's a great place to be. Super excited to get started. I'd love to start, you know, Mark, love to hear how you think about how can we move from a state where technology was built to be institution-centric to a state where technology is student-centric? You know, where have you seen success here and what do you think we still need to do to achieve a student success-driven technology on campus? You know, I think there are multiple perspectives that you have to consider when you talk about our systems and our technology. I would like to say that we have always been in higher education student-centric. What has changed is, is the expectations and tools that students have and that we as administrators have to take care of students. And so things have changed. And so to focus on student-centric, there's been some really, really neat growth and transition in things like the learning management systems and how we're conducting our teaching and learning experience online, leveraging synchronous and asynchronous learning, capturing students' engagement, facilitating that. I think in higher ed, we've also done really, really well, uh, very student-centric approaches with things like degree audit systems and advising systems. And to do those well, we still need administrative systems as well. You know, our, our dream is to connect students, instructors, and, you know, faculty are just as much learners as the students are in these experiences to create a learning experience in a time and a place uh, where people can cultivate knowledge. We need administrative systems that are really effective to help connect those dots, to help record the learning that um, happens during that window of time. And so I think we need both. Totally. And I'd love to maybe start, you know, Mark, how do you think about the state of the SIS market today? And for those of us listening, I, I think I, I skipped over even defining it, but you know, these student information systems historically were the rec record-keeping systems on campus, right? They were 1990s, early 2000s, really a way to digitize paper-based processes. And that was really the first core use case to help schools to really save time and to be able to track student records. And over time, these systems expanded to encompass more use cases. The demands for modern learners have changed quite a bit. Schools are thinking about a student success-driven framework like we just talked about rather than an institution-centric framework. But oftentimes, these student information systems just haven't adapted. And I'd love to just hear your perspective on the, the SIS market today, Mark, and, and where you feel that it's headed you know, five, 10 years from now. 
you know, I think many of us, you know, the University of Texas, we we have lived with and created a legacy student information system. And I'll use the, make that plural. We have systems that we're working with that's been around since designed in the 70s. And we continue to iterate and build on it as we need to as, um, throughout the years. But we're watching, just like most other schools are in the nation, to see the development of the new approaches to student information systems. You know, we have some really massive initiatives underway from some very big companies trying to build a modern SIS. And SISs are huge. They are not small, uncomplicated products. And so to be able to do something well and brilliantly, you're taking on a big, big task to try to build a full SIS. And so I think us, just like many other people, we're watching to see the development, helping give insights and feedback um, to, partic to participate in focus groups, you name it, to help our partners um, that are creating the software, to help them know what we need, why we need it. But we have a long way to go. Personally, I, I am a little skeptical of an SIS concept of being a singular entity. You know, the concept of ERP and SIS, I think, is a little antiquated. We still need them. But it needs to be multiple systems and point solutions, not one large monolithic system. No one can be everything to everybody. It's very hard to create software based on the needs of, you know, you look at an institution like the University of Texas with a medical school, a law school, pharmacy programs, grad, undergrad, research that's going on, you name it. It's very different than where I started out at Snow College that was a two-year associate's granting institution. You know, the needs, the complexity of the learning, how we measure it the audiences and the type of students that we're serving. It's very, very different. And to have an SIS that can do everything for that entire gamut, that's a challenge. You and I have had conversations in the past about this idea of a full SIS versus the unbundled SIS. And, and something that I find fascinating today, so I, I just recently read some data, you know, the majority of schools, when they're thinking about SIS, they're really looking for a single solution, right? A single solution that solves a lot of these business problems on campus. The challenge is though that the rate of actual SIS implementation has actually gone down quite a bit over the last three years. Way fewer schools today are adopting new SISs than they were five years ago. And a lot of that is because schools have struggled to find a single product to meet their, you know, all of their business needs. And UT Austin having a million, you know, I know Columbia where I came from having a billion needs is some real challenges with that. And I'd love to learn a little bit, you know, going down this thought experiment of what an unbundled SIS looks like. Would love to hear your thoughts on, on, on how you think that could be a future or, or, or what your thoughts are. I love the idea personally. I, I, I really am intrigued by it. The one thing I'll share about the research too is you look at most of the thought leadership that's happening throughout our industry. If you go to EDUCAS, if you go to other conferences where we talk about SISs, the guidance has been for almost 10 years now we have new approaches that are being created. We're really much trying to take advantage of the cloud and SaaS-based deliveries. And so the guidance has been hold, wait. And so it makes a lot of sense over the last three years that we're still holding and waiting, hoping to get something that can meet our needs to help move us forward in the future that's something that's more scalable. I'm surprised to watch institutions as, as they've made their purchase decisions. We've had some very large institutions over the last two to three years that have bought very large ERP type on-premise implementations. And it really surprises me that somebody would invest that much money for a product that we know is good enough, but is it helping us innovate and move forward in the future? And so there's 
there's a lot of challenges with that. And so that you look at the current systems that exist now, this unbundled concept, what I'm watching institutions do is they're using their existing platform or even big ERP platforms. They're using that as the platform if you buy into the concept of a platform as a service. And then they're bolting on, integrating all kinds of really innovative point solutions to help deliver where we need to innovate, where it makes a huge difference for our students, huge difference for our faculty, huge difference for our our advisors and administration. And so I think that that's probably the wave of the future. The question I have is, do we have to invest $100 million in in a SIS to be the platform? Or are there other platforms that are being created that we can use as the foundation to leverage these really brilliant point solutions in moving forward. And that's my ideal state. I think that's the best model moving forward. I think it creates the most flexibility. I think it creates scalability. It allows us to innovate faster and be more responsive to the needs of the industry. I think it's such an interesting point and you know, one that I can say from my personal experience of, of campuses that use solutions such as CourseDog as not only their system of engagement, but their system of record and use it in that modular way, always have this amazing experience, right? With the like 100% of them rate our product, you know, our net promoters were extremely high, whereas you know, institutions that we have these bi-directional integrations with their legacy system, we still have you know, high NPS scores, but they're lower, right? And I think that's largely because it's, it's challenging when you're both paying for and using two systems, a system of engagement and a system of record for something. There's complexity, there's data integration, there's maintenance. So running down this thought experiment further, because it's one that I'm just so fascinated in, like what what, what do you see as the minimum SISE stuff? Is it just a student financials module? Is it records? Like, you know, can we just throw this stuff in Salesforce and then have a bunch of course dogs and a bunch of other products? What does that look like? Well, I think that in the dream world, we have a plug and play environment. I mean, that's really what the dream is, is to be able to plug something in that meets our needs to our platform that can scale, that has integrations built in, predefined, to be able to help us deliver fast and easy, where as an institution, we're not stressed about, does the API work? We're not stressed about, are we pulling the data and having the ability to share data from one system to another? to get the right information so people can have the insights they need to make critical decisions. And so I'll be frank, I don't know what the ideal situation is. I do want a platform. I think a platform's based on data, but I think the data itself is a secondary point solution. I don't think it's the platform. I don't think our student academic records or our curricular records, they are important data elements that we maintain, but they're part of a point solution whether it's an SIS, whether it's course dog, whether it's some other product, we can have that information, the tree of truth, so to speak, in those solutions. But we need something that can talk to each other. And so my dream world is that we have really strong standards and partnerships across our vendors, our partners, where we can plug and play, where there are APIs or microservices or whatever technologies you want to use that are standard so we can have systems talking to each other. So you talk about the bundles of things in an SIS. The financials is a unique and independent component, I think. I think that our financial aid and scholarship type modules, they are a unique component. Obviously, you have the student academic record. And in fairness, you think about a student academic record, that could be a data layer. 
it really that's really what it is. And then we generate these really cool artifacts like transcripts or diplomas or badges out of that data layer. I think of like portfolios or suites of services. In the curricular area, I think there are really tight logical connections between your curriculum management system. You know, and we're specifically talking about there the creation or adjustment to a course or a program of study. And so you have curriculum management systems that do that. The output of that is a catalog. The output is just the start of a course schedule. And I think in the curricular space, that curriculum scheduling phase is really tightly integrated. Scheduling connects to your registration system. And so anyway, I, I'm probably not giving you enough examples or details of the different components, but I really do think there's the curricular side. I think there's the financial side. I think there's the student academic record component. Sides is the wrong word, but components with a lot of services bundled in that. And in that curricular is your degree audit system. Easily one of the most valuable tools that we've had to really move the needle to help student success. And so having that component in there, it's not the audit, it's the planning. It's the thought process that really has made a difference for our students and our campus. It's fascinating. If you're a camp, you know, if you're, if I'm, you know, CIO today, there's really this beautiful but murky future, right? A lot of campuses are stuck in this silo technology, legacy technology. And, and there's really, I, I see it as these two routes, you know, there's these, or there's three routes, perhaps there's these cloud native future looking solutions that haven't exactly fully delivered on their promise yet, but certainly provide quite a lot of intrigue for campuses and potentially are more expensive. There's this second approach, which the majority of campuses seem to be going for, which is basically, you know, taking their non-prem version of banner and porting it into the cloud and then plugging in a lot of these cloud native point solutions on top of them, like a course dog or a satellite or some other product. And then there's sort of this third, perhaps murkier reality, which I do find fascinating, that is, is the idea of just could the platform be the point solutions itself? And then you just have an API glue between the three of them. And you know, I'm curious about, you know, if you're a campus. It, you know, speaking to, to campus leaders that are listening to this, how do you think about, given that there's sort of murkiness in all three of these options, how to tactically deliver a technology strategy on campus today? You know, what a loaded question. There's so many different perspectives to consider as we do that. I will start with, I continue to be cautious in thinking that just because we're putting something in the cloud is making a difference. It's not. I mean, it's a really important and critical infrastructure decision. It's a really important and critical staffing, skills, resource allocation type decision. But being in the cloud itself does not make our service or our products better. It still comes down to how we're designing our products, the outcomes that we're trying to do, the features we're building in, the audiences that we're trying to meet that makes a difference. We can create a product that's stored on-prem that has a very dynamic user experience for our students. The beauty of the cloud is the scalability. It really does allow us to hit those peak periods and scale up server capacity, speed capacity. So I understand the value, but it's very much an infrastructure standpoint. Again, I still think it's important. And so things that I've been thinking about lately related to this, you know, where do you start? You start with what you have and figure out what's the most important thing I could do today to make it better for our students and really build out each institution needs to have a roadmap of what matters most. You know, we've had conversations on our campus and, and, and particularly with, you know, with me and our IT partners. One of the most important things for me right now is our scheduling system. It's one where students interact the most, where we can provide insights for our students 
and what to choose, when to choose. And so thinking about how do we modernize our current stack, whether it's rebuilding our existing tool, updating it, or buying a product, how do we get us from point A to point B really effectively? All of this still depends on integrations between what we have and what we want. It's a unique component. The other part about this that's so interesting to me is there is a huge faculty staffing component to when we think about course scheduling. Part of the reason why it's difficult to create a course schedule and help students register in a timely way is, you know, it takes about a year to hire a faculty member. Typically, 18 months to a year by the time you start your search, go through that protocol and have somebody in place and knowing what they're teaching, knowing what programs of study that we're offering, et cetera. And so to help a department understand what the demand of classes are, they need to know that information in order to decide what type of faculty they need, you know, in what areas. And so for me, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this space, but I, I don't think that there is an all-inclusive answer to your question. I think it's very institutional centric. And I do think it comes back to, let's talk about what our needs are. What do we have today that's working? You know, we have been really, really good in our industry to give ourselves a hard time about how long we've hung on to our vended products, whether you're a banner school or a PeopleSoft school or, a, you know, other, other products that are out there. And we've had it for 10, 15, 20 years, and we know we need to upgrade. You know, at UT, we've had a mainframe system that was designed in the 70s. But you know what? We're still getting students in classes. We're still getting grades. You know, and at UT, we're at almost 73% for your graduation rates. We are finding success with this technology. So the question has to come back to is, is what are the weakest points? What are the biggest opportunities? You know, it's that what matters most or what's most important concept and, and focusing on that and creating a prioritized approach on how we move from where we are today to where we want to be in the future. I know a campus quite well where their SIS is still a mainframe. And I spoke with them and I asked them, hey, why aren't you upgrading or why aren't you looking at a new SIS? I said, hey, we're looking at new SISs, but for the most part, it's working. And it actually wasn't until January 1st, 2020, when a patch they had put in place for Y2K back in 2000 exploded and caused the whole system to go down. So they had, you know, for those of you that don't know, in this campus, I created a patch, but the patch only worked until 2020. <laughs> and it was on that date, January 1st, 2020, that they finally said, hey, this is time to, to migrate. But I think it's a fascinating story because I really do think in some ways, the way, same way that vendors like course, you know, or partners think like think about product management, I think in some senses, schools need to think about their technology roadmap like product management. You know, it's not... But, you know, buzzwords like cloud and buzzwords like future ready and ERPs, I think are great, but I think you're totally right. Like the cloud is not fully delivered. You know, it's the, the cloud can be awesome for, for scalability. And I think a lot of point solutions, especially in the LMS space and now more in the you know scheduling and catalog space have delivered value, but and degree on it. But when it comes to sort of the SIS space, the ERP space, I have rarely heard of campuses that are seeing serious cost savings from the cloud. If anything, they're paying more for the cloud, which is fascinating. So it's just to say, I think you make such a strong point about the campus specificity of this stuff and the student success-driven framework. I guess I'm curious, as you think about these, you know, you mentioned a little bit about demand analytics and, you know, Corsog just did a research study with Acro where we ask schools, what are your biggest needs related to academic operations? And I think about 75% were interested in predictive analytics, in particular predictive analytics around 
curriculum management, and class scheduling. And I'm just curious about how you think about some of these novel technologies like AI or predictive analytics in the future of your SIS strategy, in the future of class scheduling, and, and, and what your thoughts are on the future. I've probably spent a little bit too much time musing over this. I, th- I think that when we talk about predictive analytics specifically, I think it actually really represents where we've been versus where we're going. Most partners with the products they create, when they talk about analytics, they're really talking about reporting. And so you can generate a report that then you can look at, but there's not a lot of analytics associated with it to look at what's possible. Truly using good regression analytics or other techniques like that. And so I'm really optimistic and excited about what ML can do for us and really helping us think and make more meaning of things. And again, this is part of, it's one of the arguments that some of the newer partners in the SIS space, they've they've really tried to articulate why they want it to be in one ecosystem so that you have data, that you know where it's mapped, so that you can actually do analytics. I just haven't seen it proven where that's ever worked. I I think we can get reports, but I don't think we can do analytics. And so um, initiatives that campuses are taking to create a data lake where it's really data that's been, and, and I'm cautious to use you know, whether it's a lake, whether it's an ocean, whatever people want to call it, but to pull data out in a format where you can actually run real analytics on it instead of just generating a report. I think that there's some hope and some excitement there. I think this is very much in the infancy, but it also reflects what capabilities that we have now that we didn't have even 10 to 20 years ago. Technology can do a lot of things that we as humans used to have to do. And the beauty is, is if we can leverage what technology can do, humans can then do what we do best. And so I'm excited about it. I'll be very frank. I haven't seen many people who are delivering analytics and predictive work well within the product. I have some skepticism in having a centralized data lake where it has all the insights that you can make meaning out of. Um, I think as humans, we go to an application, for lack of a better word, or a piece of software related to things we do. So if I want to know finance information personally, I go to my finance application. I don't go to my traveling application. And so I still think that there's a value in these point solutions to have really strong analytics baked into it, where people, when they're doing scheduling, whether that's a student scheduling their future and dreaming about what they want to become and how the institution can help them accomplish it, we need the analytics at that point in time, not having to go to other solutions to find it. Totally. And, you know, I've thought about this. I think something that's fascinating, a, a couple couple of anecdotes. We took a look at the sort of SIS academic operations market a while back, and we looked at this question of what does reporting mean to most technology companies in higher ed? And I think we found 95% of it was something you could do on an Excel spreadsheet with like two or three clicks, right? It was like, this is just a way that you can see data that's in the application. I also got a really interesting anecdote, but I have a friend of mine who works over at Elucian who's, who's on their professional services team. And he said, look, one of the challenges with analytics baked into the SIS is that the data model is super complex, right? Super complex. And so turning, you know, it's not some sort of flat structure, you know, making these com- all these complex data points that aren't often Schools will store them in different ways. There's different levels of quality. Turning that into predictive analytics can be a huge challenge. And so I think there's really kind of this like multi-step challenge that campuses are facing. It's like, one, how do they get data into a data lake or a data warehouse or an application in a way that actually enables it to be 
more than just an Excel spreadsheet style report, but actually something that's meaningful that potentially can be, you know, has AI or ML applications. And then, you know, a second challenge is I've seen a few AI ML applications in higher ed, but one of the biggest challenges is usage, right? Like, how do you actually embed these predictive analytical recommendations or solutions into a user's workflow? And I'm just curious to get more insights from you, Mark, about how do you think about the way that technology should be changing our workflows? You know, the SIS, Point Solutions, Predictive Analytics should be changing our workflows versus adapting to the way that campuses do things today. And, and, and what are your thoughts around sort of the barriers there to melding, you know, what technology thinks the campus should do with the actual, you know, politics and on-campus minutia of, of, of going and, and, and using that data? Yep. My first reaction to your question in this scenario is we can't keep doing more. We need to find ways to simplify what we're doing. And you know, earlier I said, you know, we really want to be leveraging technology where it can do what it does best. So we as humans can do what we do best. And to add more information to put in front of somebody, and we're just doing additive, additive, additive type work we're not able to leverage the information, the insights that are there because people don't have the capacity to tackle and, and leverage it all. And so we do need to really be hyper-focused on simplifying our processes. I was pushed oh, ideologically about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I was working on a project focused on building a student information system. And our CIO said, Mark, how is any of this differentiating for the institution? And there was a lot of brilliance in that question because you know, as I look at things, adding and dropping a class it is the same concept of every institution. Having a, a this concept of, of a class is the same at every institution. Awarding aid is the same thing at every institution. What's different is the learning experience that we have in the class. That's what's differentiating. That's what you put on a billboard. It's the financial package and the resources that each institution has that's differentiating for a student. Some schools have a lot larger scholarship program and budgets than others do. You know, that's where you can be differentiating and make a difference for your students. And so does the technology itself, do we really need to be as special as we try to be? And I think the answer is no, in large part. It's already complex if we did the basics. But there is this concept of adoption and use. And, and you know, in some ways, have we generated the business case and the use case to demonstrate that there actually is real ROI in leveraging? You know, let's just use course demand as an example. Such a great and important concept. But is there a true ROI if we know the course demand? If we knew what students needed two years out, how would that change behavior on campus? Could we reduce churn and hoops for our students, for our faculty, for our departments, for advising community if we had those insights? I think we might. But do we have that those insights and that data to actually prove that it's making a difference? And so... There is cultural challenges on every campus approaches. The larger the school gets, the more siloed, or I like the term federated. A colleague of mine shared the word federated. It sounds less judgmental. But we deal with that the larger you get. And that's not wrong. People are trying to find the most efficient way to get their actions done that they need to. And so I don't know if there is the right answer yet. I don't have one. I'd love to hear other people's insights to figure out how do we do this? to make it more meaningful and more consumable for our partners. To me, the two focal points that I keep thinking about is how do we simplify what we're doing? And number two, how do we put the information at people's fingertips when they need it so that they can make good decisions based on the insights that are there? 
Yeah, I think it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting question. I suppose it, it really depends on the, the framework that you use it with, because I think there's like this from the partner side, I think oftentimes there can be a lack of empathy to like, well, why don't, you know, what, what I would hear an SIS company say or a crypto management company say is like, oh, we don't support this business process because this is not a best practice. And I think sometimes it can be really difficult to me. Most of the time when someone says that it actually is a re- it usually, not always, but it usually means there's a lack of empathy or understanding for the core business problem, right? Unless that comes with, hey, we don't support that, but here's some other best practice that is really going to help you with, with doing something. And so I think there's one other thing that I found is interesting. You know, I recently read a study from EAB about the facilities management space, like how schools manage their facilities on campus. And, and one of the things that they said was, 10 years ago, schools hated their facilities management software, but now we survey them and everyone loves their facilities management software. And essentially the reason why was a combination of maturity of the product that came from customer feedback and change in the way that schools do workflows. And so I think that was a great microcosm of like a lot of the real work is about bridging that gap between that anxiety of a campus administrator on campus trying to get a schedule done and the provost who's trying to get students to graduate at, at higher rates and to maximize the retention and minimize churn of students. So yeah, I don't have the right answer, but I think it's like a really fascinating topic. I think that's part of the excitement of where we're at today. There is enormous fatigue in waiting for the next generation of student systems to be created. And we're seeing it at a small scale, small point solution. So one module amongst the whole student suite, we're seeing brilliance out there in many different form factors, but have those then integrated with each other non-existent. It's very difficult to do and it's taxing. And so there's there's significant fatigue across our entire industry on hopes that the promises that what new technology will create will be delivered. You know, that whole adage, you know, scope keeps going up, costs keep going up, and, and the actual service and the, the result keeps going down. But that's the beauty of where we're at is to have conversations, to leverage partners like you all or other vendors that are out there to say, what are you seeing elsewhere? to leverage those knowledge and insights. And for us as higher ed institutions to be able to provide insights for you and what we need, that really is the magic of where I think we are today. We're getting close to getting to where, as you talked about the facility side of the the house, I think people have started to get comfortable with the standard approaches and how many people do that. We've done that in banking industries, even though that's being really challenged right now, there are still standard protocols in banking. I think that we can still get to the same space in student systems. Again, the service, people are what makes it magical and unique. It's not the software, but software certainly enables absolute brilliant and amazing service. I love that point. One thing I found really fascinating about the early development of Horse Dog was that so many people, the first five, 10 customers we had bought the product. They weren't buying the product. They were buying a person. They were buying me and my co-founder sitting in a dorm at Columbia University with vision and passion and a relationship with them. I think that you know it's it's really fascinating how in some markets where I think things are very mature and you know you've got a five thousand person business in financial services, you can go off the shelf, go get Workday. Doesn't really matter that you you know who the CEO is or. Who is the who's your sales rep or your customer success manager or whatever it is? But higher ed is so different, right? It's like in some sense the horse that you pick 
is kind of shaded and it's not like it's got lumps and like you kind of got to decide who's the best jockey <laughs> it's like but I, I just be curious you know i think my my last question mark is like how do you think about picking these horses for the future with your technology strategy is it understanding the people is it understanding the technology you know how do you think about your framework for actually deciding what's the right horse for your payments it really has to be a multifaceted approach because I, I mean, I love the story of the creation of Course Dog and similar partners like you all. But there's this, there's a balance. If we have to be cautious to buy something based on personality because personalities change. And there are companies that are out there now that we're partnering with. We have one right now that in order for us to roll over from one term to another term, we have to have the CEO of the company who wrote the software to roll it for us. We can't do it ourselves. And that originally was great. It was a great partnership and we knew that they were there for us. But is that sustainable and is that scalable? I don't think it is. And so there's a balance between buying something based on the product that's there today, the potential, the idea, the roadmap of features and services, the staff that's there, the financial background that that product has to make sure that they're stable and they're in for the long haul. We also have to take into consideration how many other higher ed institutions have purchased the product. You know, it's one of the values. People are still spending a lot of money in these large SISs because there is enormous stability in having a, a partner who has four, 500, 1,000, 2,000 higher ed institutions. And so that's fantastic because it provides us some stability to move forward. It allows us to have shared thought leadership amongst the consumers and users of those products to provide product strategy and needs and requirements but that also prevents innovation and nimbleness that we really want. And so I personally, my take is, is there's a balance there and there are, there are associated risks with it. And so to start with something that's personality driven, I think would be cautious. You should be, and you need to make sure that it's there, but there is a great reward for doing that. And, you know, some folks that I've talked with that have adopted Course Dog, the brilliance and the excitement they have because they were there early, they had influence on the product design, they still do. It's really been able to help them revolutionize their services and they're really, really excited about it. But when you have a thousand customers, you're not going to be able to treat everybody that way as well. And so, again, there's balance. We have to be intentional about where we want to be differentiating and where we're okay to be part of the pack. I really think that's where it comes down to, at least for me and, and recommendations I will make is there are things that we need to do today that are truly differentiating work. And there's others where it's okay to be part of the pack. Mark, last question for today. I'd love to ask, what's on your mind for the future? Wow. You know, we've gone through the pandemic and I think everybody talks about post-pandemic analysis and everything else and the fatigue and the excitement to get back to a new normal. During this, we've heard a lot of, I won't say the sky is falling, kind of thought leadership that's out there and, and risks about enrollment, that kind of thing. But I'm really enjoying looking at some of those, you know, the canaries in the coal mine, so to speak, um, who are vocalizing things. And, you know, you think about Jeff Salingo and the work that he's doing. You look at what Michael Crow's doing at Arizona State. There are a lot of thought leaders. There's a lot of political engagement in higher ed and just kind of watching and hearing what they're trying, what story they're trying to, to share. We've heard for a long time that higher ed is under threat. We've heard for a long time that the population was going to drop. 
And we have a lot of institutions still, but we're actually starting to see the consolidations of institutions and, and, and schools closing down. And so it's been interesting to watch that, you know, my institution, I'm not as worried about that. UT is going to be around where we have more students than we interest than what we can accommodate. So we try to find the best fit for students could be successful with us. But we still need to be thoughtful about the needs of our students and our alumni. And so thinking about what's in the future and how we look at learning differently. One of the core things in all of this, as we talk about SISs, is that we're thinking about learning at too large of a scale. We need to break it down to a much smaller learning object. We think about learning measured as a course, and it's much smaller than a course. And if we can have those learning objects at a small scale, there are really cool things that we can be doing to provide our faculty and our advisors and our tutors and the students themselves. If it's broken down in a smaller way, you can bundle it into really creative learning outcomes, badges, degrees, majors, minors, emphases, you name it. But we can also do a lot more just-in-time tutoring and support to help students be successful if we understand learning at a smaller scale than just a course. And so some of those kind of things are really exciting for me to watch. I'm really excited about the conversations about Web 3.0, this idea of owning your own information and how you can leverage that. I'm enjoying watching the CLR conversations and talking about what role higher ed is and helping a student create a curricular and co-curricular resume. You know, and is that the role of a hired institution or is that someone else in the industry that creates something that then we're validating those learnings? I enjoy looking at technologies that's coming and exploring how do we use it to meet the needs that we haven't been able to accomplish in the past. Anyway, those are some of the things that are on my mind. I'm always just so grateful for our conversation. So thanks so much for joining today. I am honored to be part of your podcast and to chat with you. I appreciate the the stories we get to share and, and the knowledge that we get to create. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the feedback that we hear and to keep conversations going. That's the beauty of this. So thanks for letting me be part of it. Thanks, Mark. This podcast is brought to you by Course Dog. We empower academic administrators at more than 100 institutions with an integrated academic operations platform that supports on-time completions and operational excellence with academic and event scheduling, course demand projections, curriculum management, and online catalog solutions that integrate bi-directionally with your SIS. Learn more at coursedog.com.